There is only one thing in life that is certain. Every human will face injustices. And we can do nothing but place our hope in a legal system that continues to let its people down. We can do nothing but sit with our feelings of anger, disappointment and exhaustion. There are those who act on these feelings and those who put trust in others to emotionally satisfy them. This is one of society's greatest divides. As Asimo explains in American Justice, vigilantism is when an individual or group take the law into their own hands because they no longer have faith in the legal system to ensure justice. When we think of pop culture's greatest vigilante, who other than Batman, the Cape Crusader? When you think of Batman, what comes to mind? Saviour? Vigilante? Guardian? What about violence, death and lawlessness? On the surface, the story of the Cape Crusader appears to be one of a hero vigilante who fights for justice for the people of Gotham. But is this really the case? Or is this actually a story about a man in conflict with his vengeful wishes? Society says it's a criminal you should fear, but what if it's also the vigilante? Follow me as I unearth the dark side of vigilantism. Using Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight universe, let's explore how when operating outside of the law, those who pursue justice can actually threaten to destroy the very society they are trying to protect. But first, let's set the scene. Gotham City, the nightmare built out of metal and stone. Inspired by the criminal architecture of New York City, Gotham City is a city of evil, corruption and endless fear. The carnivalous nightlife of Gotham harbors private thrills but is also the home of deep city networks of corruption and metahumans. There's also a morbid allure about Gotham City. As Dr. Erica McChrystal explores in the urban gothic of Finder Cecil, London and Gotham City, there is a liminality where opposing forces coexist and create mountain tensions within the city. Significant tensions in Gotham City can be seen between good and evil and chaos and order. For example, those who uphold the law, such as judges and the police, are also the ones who actively participate in organised crime within the city. This coexistence creates a sense of hopelessness for the salvation of Gotham and breeds a criminality that roams free. This liminality is a feature of the urban Gothic. Well, the urban Gothic is, is really filled with a lot of uncertainty. And as a setting, it's a place that's really difficult to navigate. And it's always a place that's under threat in in some way or another um and, and there's always this hope in in any sort of urban gothic narrative fiction or, or film um there's always hope that somehow order will be restored uh but the gothic really puts pressure on that hope and and really ensures that there's always some kind of threat upon society and and that's what nolan really does a great job encapsulating in his films this the fact that Gotham City is in a perpetual state of threat. Though they are not many, there is a group of people who hold on to this hope in Gotham and have tried to save the city from its fated doom. These are vigilantes. Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight provides a twist to the monomyth of Batman. As Dr. Tim Peters explores, 
Nolan moves from a Batman who solely imposes vengeance on the criminals of Gotham in a hopeless bid to avenge his murder's parents. And in Batman Begins, the Dark Knight assumes a position as the guardian of Gotham. I think it comes back to that particular telling of the origin story that Nolan presents, um, which is actually a journey from a desire for personal vengeance um, from Bruce to uh, a bigger picture about um, actually having you know, a compassion for the people of your city um, and actually desire to see them improve, to see things change. Um, and, you know, we can criticise those and you know, obviously he is a, a rich white man, um, you know, white privilege, a whole bunch of other things going on there. But that shift um, that, that, that the Batman Begins in particular tells from personal vengeance, which is often positioned as the, the driving trope of Batman, right? this figure of trauma that is unleashing uh, or trying to, you know, uh, work through his trauma by sort of beating up the criminals of Gotham. Um, that's not what we see. Uh, well, at least that's not the dominant sort of story told in Batman Begins, which is that sort of journey from personal vengeance to, you know, a broader sense of compassion and love that drives actions for the community. Vigilantism is often referred to as popular justice. But even for those who appear to have steered away from vengeance, like the Dark Knight, the darker side of their vigilantism cannot be ignored. Just as Bateson says, vigilantism is more than a reaction to crime. It is an exercise of power, and this opens the door to unchecked violence, endless brutality, and increased lawlessness. There is an idea in pop culture that vigilantes are heroes who are unappreciated by the law. But historically, vigilantism includes behaviours from uncivil disobedience to terrorism to establishment violence. As Like Stories of the Old explains, vigilantes are often emotionally erratic, self-centred and entitled. On the surface, this may just seem like any other human being, but what makes vigilantes so dangerous is their self-appointment of sovereign power. There is one interesting distinction, however, about this sovereign power. In Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, power is given to the Dark Knight by the Sovereign. And what we see is a process of an outlaw who is invited into the state of exception, otherwise reserved for the Sovereign. The state of exception is the concept first introduced by German philosopher Carl Schmitt and refers to an unprecedented time or case of necessity where the application of the law is suspended for the common good of society. The idea of the state of exception, um, you know, is interesting, um, right? At, at a general level, at a naive level, it's simply that there's some sort of crisis or emergency um, that requires a suspension of the law, a suspension of rights, um, in order to um, restore normality, to restore normal order, civil order. And that's what becomes interesting in the context of superheroes and vigilanteism. So one of the, the, the concerns that the law has or sovereignty has around vigilantism is that they take the law into their own hands. Now, they might justify that on the basis that the law isn't doing its job, that justice isn't being achieved, that maybe justice can never be achieved by the legal system, you know, any of those sorts of justifications. But what they're essentially doing is they're impinging upon um, the sovereign authority, the law's monopoly on you know, legitimate violence and basically saying we're going to take that action into our own hands. The Dark Knight is welcomed into this day of exception by Denton Gordon and Batman Begins. It becomes a form of governing in Gotham. But there is one major problem with this. As Dr Thomas Gibbons explains in Natural Law and Vengeance, 
the Dark Knight is empowered to operate in a space with no accountability. So police powers normally are quite heavily regulated, right? And police are trained in various ways and they have lots of ordinances that, that control and limit their, their use of authority. Um, and there's a rule of law and, and all those kinds of things, which limit the, um, the violence, um, supposedly limit the violence that um, the state can do against individuals, right? Whereas with a vigilante, because they're kind of outside of that structure, um, they're kind of outside of the rule of law in this state of exception, as, as you say, um, they don't have those that oversight, right? They don't have that regulation. Um, and so the kind of most overt danger is perhaps that it's um, like unchecked power in a sense. And we see this obviously with, with Batman, um, with his um, huge amount of resources that he has. Um, and then um, he then doesn't have any oversight or regulation um, in terms of his pursuit of, of justice through his means as, as Batman. In Gotham, the Dark Knight is entrusted as a man who rationally dispenses justice, and for Nolan's audience, it appears that after training with the League of Shadows in Batman Begins, he has gone through a sort of emotional awakening. However, this day of exception creates a space for the hubris and emotional wounds of the Dark Knight to roam free. For example, throughout the trilogy, the Dark Knight uses violence to get what he wants. In The Dark Knight, he beats up the Joker to find out where he is holding Rachel Dawes and Harvey Dent after kidnapping them. There was an emotional connection we have with Batman, but if that was removed, would we still find comfort in his actions? So, I think the term vigilante um, can sometimes be hard to define. I've seen critics offer several different definitions. Um, but one that I, I found really fitting was in an article by Stephanie Giuliano. And um, this definition of vigilante uh, said that a vigilante breaks the law, but the difference between a vigilante and a criminal is that the vigilante does so in pursuit of justice. As Dr. Erica McChrystal explains, it seems that the Dark Knight's validation comes from his aims to fight crime. But there is someone else within Nolan's trilogy with similar aims of justice, whilst instead found himself on the downside of the good and evil coin. There are many villains that Batman finds himself fighting in the Dark Knight trilogy, but there's only one that has a lasting presence. Ra's al Ghul. It is fitting that Ra's al Ghul is Arabic for the demon's head. Ra's functions as the head of the League of Shadows, an ancient and powerful secret society, purpose to restore balance to the world and destroy the corruption amongst humanity using deadly means. In The Dark Knight Rises, as his daughter Talia takes on the role as the trilogy's last villain, we learn that Ra's al Ghul is not just a person. He is a legacy. He is a body of teaching. As Morona explains, Ra's is a villain who has dealt with Batman in the most intimate context of all. In Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne's plight finds him on a sabbatical in China, where he introspects into the criminal mind. Henry Ducard, a member of the League of Shadows, moulds Wayne into a fearless fighter and helps him find his purpose as a defender of justice. At the end of his training, Wayne has an initiation and is given a paradoxical ultimatum to kill a murderer. Wayne's refusal is much deeper than saving a life. He rejects his place as the one who would lead the League of Shadows to Gotham City. Wayne makes another fateful mistake and sets the League's headquarters on fire. 
We all know Ducard survives the fire after being saved by Wayne, but the survival of Ras is unknown, and in this, he becomes an ominous symbol. Throughout the trilogy, his existence is maintained by his followers. Both the Dark Knight and Ra's al Ghul pursue a justice personal to them. So what makes one the vigilante and the other one a villain? Is there an actual distinction between villainy and vigilantism? As Dr. Erica McChrystal explains, there is an important distinction between Ra's al Ghul and the Dark Knight. I think that Ra's al Ghul's plans in Batman Begins uh, would be a fitting example here of the state of exception. Uh, because he says that any time that society becomes too corrupt, that the League of Shadows needs to swoop in and, and restore balance. Uh, and he gives several examples of, of where they've they've come in and done that. And now he sets his sights on Gotham City. Um, and he thinks that when they do this, they can the city can then be reborn um, without any any criminality or depravity. But, you know, his methods are through the destruction of lives, uh, you know, what he sees as a cleansing. So we have this contrast in this film where Razagul and Batman both want the restoration of order, but they both have very different idea of what that looks like and how that can really be achieved. That difference is justice as balance versus justice as love. In Unbalancing Justice, Dr. Timothy Peters explores how justice to Ra's al Ghul is an act of balancing. Justice as balance refers to a cosmogenic cycle where evil must be balanced by good. In simpler words, justice as an act of balancing is an eye for an eye. But what's interesting in, in Nolan's rendering of that origin story is the connection with Ra's al Ghul. Right, and the League of Shadows, which he thinks is this this you know, group that is about um, justice and you know, the means to, to fight for, for justice. But what um, he discovers, of course, is that they're actually you know, presenting a very particular notion of justice that is, is incredibly rational uh, in one sense, but is also very, very traditional and conservative in another sense. Right, It's this notion of justice as balance. You know, and, and you know, Raz has this sort of line of, you know, you, um, you, know, you burnt my house and left me for dead. Um, you know, you know, consider us even when he does the same thing to Bruce um, and sort of is you know, burning down uh, the Wayne Mansion. And it's this sort of notion of, of balance that we sort of can balance off one action with with another. As Dr. Timothy Peters says, just like the legal system, Raz Argo's means of purging crime are not necessarily concerned with what is good and what is bad. It is fundamentally concerned with the cycle of life. And in this balancing, that is where these figures find their justification. To Ra's al Ghul and the League of Shadows, the morbidly excessive ways are seen as an act of necessity for the salvation of humanity. The villainous actions of Ra's al Ghul are important to the plot of the Dark Knight trilogy. In Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul believes that the evil nature of Gotham is beyond salvation and that they must be destroyed for the greater good. Subsequently, Ra's partners with Scarecrow, Dr. Crane, to deploy a fear toxin on Gotham City to send the city into self-destruction. Similarly, in The Dark Knight Rises, under Ra's al Ghul, Talia and Bane set up a nuclear bomb of mass destruction in Gotham. The other type of justice explored in Unbalancing Justice is justice as love. This is where the Dark Knight resides. There is a limitation on justice as balance. It seeks to reject those who transgress. Justice as love seeks to accept humanity for who they are through what Peter describes as a violent intrusion of love. 
because it's it's not about presenting him as this figure that we should follow because he's you know fighting evil um, and doing all these other things. It's a, a figure we should follow because he takes certain actions that are based on trust, on on faith in the possibility of of, of community, um, on a, a notion of compassion and love that we've spoken about, um, and this hope. Um, and yeah, obviously I'm reading this through theological lens, right? But faith, hope, love. Right, these sort of key aspects of, of the Christian theological tradition. Um, and to me, that's really important, that that he's presented not as a hero that fights the villain. Yes, he does that, but he doesn't do it simply for overcoming evil. He does it because he actually wants a community that's based on trust, even when that trust fails, right? Even when you know people let us down, that this, this aspect of trust that becomes much more significant um, as a way to, to found community. It is true that vigilantes find themselves in a paradox where they try to get rid of injustices by using the same means as those who commit injustices, like the Dark Knight. However, as Dr. Thomas Giddens says, the Dark Knight's violence exists outside of the endless balancing of good and evil. This is what Dr. Timothy Peters refers to as violence as love. The Dark Knight's violence and lawlessness refuses to replicate the endless cycle through retributive punishment. For example, Despite the Dark Knight's violence, he refuses to kill anyone in the trilogy. In Batman Begins, the Dark Knight has every opportunity to kill Henry Ducard, but decides not to act on what we could only describe as normal human feelings. And um, Bruce, um, in his training, gets criticised by Raz for his compassion, that he won't become an executioner. And right, so it's taking up you know, the comic book theme of you know Batman doesn't kill, um, but of course that, you know, <clears throat> various in different aspects of the comics, but um, uh, and, and sort of articulating that as the reason for that as being one about compassion and about love. Um, and you know what I see in that presentation is it is a it's a very particular justification of violence. Um, it's not violence that is death dealing violence. It's it's actions taken um, out of a desire to see the best in others, which at times requires us to prevent others from doing things that would harm them and harm, harm those around them. Nevertheless, the differences between Ra's al Ghul and the Dark Knight shows that society's dependence on vigilantism for the salvation of humanity is a game of Russian roulette. Luckily for Gotham, the Dark Knight found a humanity in the city. But do you ever wonder what would have happened if somewhere along Wayne's journey in life, things were different? Would he have joined the League of Shadows instead and ended Gotham as we know it? It is important to see the Dark Knight as what he really is, an anti-hero. An anti-hero is a person who lacks the conventional attributes of a traditional hero. And this is the core message of Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Fighting injustices is not a question of good and evil. It is a response to the moving of the heart. It is rationally irrational. It is recklessly hopeful. Nolan loses the Dark Knight trilogy to provide an honest insight into vigilantism and its imperfections. There is a darkness in vigilantism, but there's also a light, and this is what we must move towards. Nevertheless, it is evident that Gotham needs the Dark Knight. Even though criminality in Gotham is endless, the Dark Knight is a powerful force that imbues a feeling of reconciliation within the city. His compassion is representative of what the system should aspire to be. Although the actual death of the Dark Knight is uncertain, 
His death in Gotham acts as a necessary passage before Gotham into a city where his people take on their fight of justice and compassion. At the end of the Dark Knight, we see Officer Blake inherit the Batcave. And this is just a glimpse into the fight for justice that awaits Gotham. We can only hope that those after the Dark Knight continue to break the cycle. But this is something that we may never know.